my name is Dwight, one of the pastors of Church 21, and uh, what a privilege it is to, uh, to be with you this morning, uh, and what a privilege it'll be to get to be together uh, with all the different uh, congregations to actually get to work out the vision that we spoke about uh, a few weeks ago. So really excited for this morning. Um, before I actually get into the sermon section, uh, I wanted to address a few things, a few dangers that I anticipate and, and have seen come up already during this, this series. Uh, the first one is that we have to really be careful not to judge the current activity of God by past experience. That we can't put demands on what God does now because of how you've experienced him in a different place, in a different region, in a different culture, in a different church. I think it's just a, a fair warning for us that God does, we can't demand that God does the same thing here and now that he did in a different time. And so just really important to protect your heart around that. One of the other things that has come up is this reality that based on some of uh, your experience, we've heard that, well, Church 21 isn't a charismatic church. And I would completely disagree with you that we believe and what it means to be a charismatic church is that we believe that the gifts are for us today. Now, you might have a understanding of what charismatic means based on a different reality and how someone else defined it. But if we're actually gonna talk about theology, charismatic means that we believe that the gifts are functioning and active and that we practice these. And we wholeheartedly do that as a church. Now, the gifts might look different here than they do, uh, but don't chase what was. Chase after the manifest presence of the Spirit of God for here and now. Also, being overly harsh and critical is not a spiritual gift. It's going to damage your soul. It really will. It will cause you to be embittered, and it will lead you away from actually using the gifts united with one another. So during this season, during this series, I want to call you to fight for unity. Fight for unity. Fight to sit behind the patience of God. That though you feel an urgency, submit that urgency to God's timing. All right, so let's be patient. So let me pray for us, and then, um, and then we'll get going on the actual sermon. This, this is all, this isn't even an introduction. This doesn't even count. I haven't started my timer yet, so I'm going to pray. God, thank you that you are here. You're here with us in this little office space. Uh, you are here uh, with our people in their living room, in their kitchen, in their bedroom. Uh, you, are, you are with us. And that's what is so beautiful. One of the things that's so beautiful about you is that your manifest presence is not limited to one space, but you are everywhere. And not in like this neat little nirvana way, but you are, you are omnipresent. You are, you are literally there. And we so often forget that you are Emmanuel, God with us. It wasn't just a little baby coming so that we can celebrate one day this day of Emmanuel, but rather you are with us all the time through your spirit. So we thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would hijack our hearts this morning for King Jesus, that you would further unfold the plans of the Father, um, and that you would help us to worship you. We love you and we need you. Amen. One of the things I want to call for us to do uh, this morning as we're listening is that if you're hearing something that you believe is from God, little kids, 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 listen up, my kids, I know that you're like, freaking out about snacks and coloring, like, why do we have to listen to daddy? Like, I get it. But all kids, um, if you think that you're hearing something from God today, I want for you to share that with your parents. And don't wait, parents, I'm going to give them permission to interrupt me. All right, so if they're hearing something, uh, I want for them to share it with you. 
I want for you to use this morning to, to get to learn what it means to actually hear from God. And potentially, uh, God would give you a whole new gift that he's never given to you uh, before this morning. Also, parents and non-parents and whoever's watching, if you're hearing something from, from God, I, I would love for you to write that down as we're going along because we would love to hear what that is. We believe that God wants to speak to us, all right? So please, let's participate in this way this morning. All right, so we're in this series on, on gifts. Gifts are not separate from God. There's just no separation between God and his gifts. His gifts are often the way that he shows and flexes his presence and allows for you to know that he is there. And gifts are not about you. I just wanna let that know. Some of you are very gifted and some of you have allowed for, for pride to grow up because it's like, well, look how gifted I am. But that gift has nothing to do with you, does it? It has everything to do with God. And as we look at people in the Bible, I love the Bible because it shows people that are really messed up that God still gives his gifts to so that he can show up through them, right? This is what God does. It's not showing that you're at a higher spiritual status than someone else. You can't earn these things. Uh, Peter, in the book of Acts, he rebukes uh, Simon the sorcerer because Simon sees uh, the, how the apostles are laying hands on people and the Holy Spirit is being given. And he says, how much, how much can I buy that for? I want to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gets rebukes. Right? You can't buy this stuff. God gifts people the way that he wants. And that's why I said, little kids, if you're hearing something, then we want to hear from you because maybe God is gifting you in a significant way that we as a church need to benefit from. We don't want to put your little prophetic gifts in the kids' ministry. We want to hear from God. Now, we're on, on this series of um, spiritual gifts. These gifts should wow us. Not, not for the gift's sake, but they should wow us to the God or of the God who is giving the actual gifts. And this means that you can't leave your gift hidden. I know that some of you are in the church and you've, you've hidden your gifts. You, you found it under the tree and, and you saw it and you're like, I'm just going to leave it under the tree. Or I'm going to put it back in the closet where it was hidden before and I'm just going to leave it alone. and I'm going to try and follow Jesus out of my uh, ability and might and power. And, and Jesus, please do something great through me. And he he already has. He's already given you his spirit. He's already given you a gift. And so it's time, church, that we would take out these gifts that God has given to us and that we would use them collectively to build up the church and to build up the body. This is an illustration that Paul used of what the church is, that we are the body of Christ. You, can't have a, a you can have a body without one eye, but it's dysfunctional. You can have a, a body without a leg, but it's dysfunctional. Right? All of the parts come together to work together to glorify and make much of King Jesus. Now this series, is this morning we're only going to look at some of the gifts. We're not going to be able to look at all of the gifts. Uh, we're doing uh, six weeks in this series and this is week two. Excited for this. Um, but we, I don't even think it's possible for us to look at all the gifts. If we did like a 4,000 week series on this. I don't think that we could actually look at all the gifts that God gives because I don't think that the lists that we have in scripture are exhaustive. I hear about some of the gifts that people have and I'm like, I, I didn't find that anywhere in scripture and yet it seems like God is significantly working through that gift and through you. So we're going to look at some of the gifts. But there was one person that had all the gifts. So 
We talk about the body of Christ today being his, his people and that we all are, are the body of Christ working together. But at one point, Jesus was here on the earth in body and Jesus laid aside, he was fully God and fully man. And Philippians, a book in the New Testament, tells us that Jesus laid aside his godness. He didn't tap into his godness. He wasn't saying, yeah, I'm just gonna pull out being God for a second and do this thing. No, he worked fully under the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that indwells and fills every single follower of Jesus. So Jesus in his ministry, it's so easy to be tempted to believe that he just pulled out his God card, but instead he was tapping into the Holy Spirit that was filling him. And this Holy Spirit led Jesus to die on a cross for you and for for me. That he bore the the full weight of, of our rebellion, what we would call sin, against God. And Jesus rose three days later, the Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. That, that payment had been made for sin and Jesus who did not earn death, death is a payment for our sin. Jesus did not earn that, that death. He, he didn't deserve to die, but he did for us. And then he took his life back up again and he gave us his spirit. And that spirit, when he came, he gave us gifts. And, and actually in the book of 1 Corinthians that we're gonna be in this morning, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12 tells us that we're supposed to be zealous We're supposed to be full of zeal in pursuing after these gifts, wanting the gifts, not so that we can be hoarders of gifts and fill our closet with the gifts of God, but rather that we would desire the gifts so that we can distribute them to all that we come in contact with. And so today, today we're gonna deal with the at times mysterious gifts. These gifts kind of freak me out a little bit. I'm really honest, right? These are the revelatory gifts gifts, God revealing something to people. Uh, my wife thinks that I have this gift uh, when we're watching movies. She'll look over at me and like say, what, what's going to happen? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, but like, yeah, but like, you think it's going to end well? Like, I, I really have no idea. I have no clue. I'm not gifted in this way with cinema, right? But we love revelation. We just want to know what's going to happen. We want to know what's going to happen. Um, in fact, many gain their living revealing things to people. Now, there's different levels of truth to all of these, so let me bring out the the could-be-true realm. Meteorologists. I mean, this is like the most amazing job in the world. Being a meteorologist, telling what the weather's gonna be like 10 days from now. You have no idea what the weather's gonna be like 10 days from now. But somehow, you get to stand there confidently pointing at some weather pattern in the Philippines, and like, this thing's gonna like El Nino or something, and it's gonna come here, and it's gonna be beautiful. 10 days from now, no one remembers what you said. No one's holding you accountable. We need to hold meteorologists more accountable to what they say. Anyway, could be true. Best job in the world. Uh, Another job, fortune tellers. Fortune tellers. Now, Fortune tellers we'll get to in a little bit later today and a lot next week, uh, but it could be true. Now, don't hear me endorsing that you go see a fortune teller. You should not do that. Never, never, never. You're opening up a box of wickedness that you might not be able to shut. Don't do that. But I'll tell you why this could be true later. And then tabloids. Tabloids can just publish whatever they want and they make all kinds of money. And like, no, of course that actress didn't gain 4,000 pounds over the weekend, right? But like they published it, so it could be true. Never know. Now, what's more true? People gain their, their, their living by revealing what's more true is ultrasounds. I remember going to see the first ultrasound, Nehemiah, right? And we go in there and um, I had no idea what this is gonna be like. 
go in and woman like pours some weird goop on Jess's stomach and, uh, and then we see. And I just start preaching to this ultrasound person. I'm like, do you know that like this child in there is, is wonderfully made in the image of God? And Jess is just like, be quiet. It's just an ultrasound. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like this ultrasound is revealing the, the handiwork, the knitting that, that God is doing inside of this womb. Like it's amazing. But ultrasounds reveal something that's happening. Um, Waze. Do you know Waze? Do you know about the app Waze? Waze is beautiful, right? Especially that police indicator thing. Not that I speed or anything like that, but the reality that people are revealing what's ahead so that you can prepare, right? These revelatory jobs help us change. I don't want to go that way. I'm going to go this way instead because there's lots of traffic there. They help us change the way that we're actually going to move. And this is what God does in his revelatory gifts as well is that he, he helps us to change or pre- pre- prepare for something that's coming. And he does it in his word, right? More commonly, he speaks to us through his word. And, but he also uses these re- revelatory. I'm, I'm struggling with speech today, apparently, to say revelatory. Um, but these revelatory gifts God, God uses. You say revelatory four times fast, and you tell me how easy it is, okay? Um, so we're going to look at four gifts this morning. Four gifts. Wisdom, knowledge, discerning spirits, and prophecy. All right? So let's just get to work. Um, We wanted to do this series in person, by the way, because we wanted to be able to uh, preach about this and then take the second half of our gathering and actually practice this together. So we don't get to do that in its fullest form, uh, but we will have Zoom calls after this. So please, if you haven't joined a Zoom call before with us, please join this one after, because it'll be really important today. So we'll deal with wisdom and knowledge first. Really, I think that these could be um, like two sides of the same coin. In fact, commentators, I read a bunch of commentaries on this passage um, over the the, the past few months, actually, in preparation for this series. And commentators aren't even sure what to do with these two gifts because we don't have tons of information about them all throughout Scripture, but they probably do go together. Now, I want to give you three main ideas that people put forward. Uh, one idea for, this, for these two giftings is that Corinth, okay, this book is Corinthians, okay, written to the church at Corinth. Uh, one idea is that Corinth was just so familiar with these gifts that Paul didn't need to explain them at all because wisdom and knowledge were just rolling fancy in that place. Uh, the second idea, oh yeah? Okay, that's good. I, I need a haircut. I'm just going to throw that out there. I need a haircut, so I'm looking forward to, to that happening. Um, The second idea is that wisdom could be doctrinal and knowledge could be practical. Wisdom could be doctrine, teaching, and knowledge could be practical. And this uh, comes from D.A. Carson, a well-regarded scholar of the New Testament. Um, Really, the third big bucket of ideas around wisdom and knowledge is what we would see as the more traditional Pentecostal or charismatic view, and that is the wisdom is how, so it's the instruction, and the knowledge is the what the information. So you have the how and the what and the instruction or the information. Now, we don't have a ton inside of Corinthians to understand what these, what these gifts really are, but we do have some examples in scripture that I want to I wanna take us to now. So uh, if you have a Bible, please go to Matthew. If you don't, I'm going to read it for you, but sometimes it's helpful to see this as well. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 to 6. We get to see these, these gifts at work in Jesus. It says, so he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. 
Just then, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, okay, Jesus sees their faith, the knowledge. Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said to themselves, he's blaspheming. Now, perceiving their thoughts, Jesus didn't hear their thoughts. Perceiving them, the gift of knowledge at work, Jesus uses the gift of wisdom. Jesus says, why are you thinking evil things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he told the paralytic, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. This, this gift of knowledge, wisdom, and healing work together to show and display who Jesus really is. Now let me go to Luke uh, chapter 6. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. We're going to get into the life of Jesus again. This deals with the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. But here it is. He knew their thoughts and told the man with a shriveled hand, get up and stand here. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he told them, stretch out your hand. He did, and his hand was restored. Similar things. We see knowledge, wisdom, and healing at work. Now, I want to go to one more, one more uh, section. Acts, book of Acts, verse, uh, or chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. A man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, here's what's going on. He was telling everyone, I'm selling this thing and I'm bringing all the money, but secretly, he and his wife were withholding some of it. So then verse 3, it says, Ananias, Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Peter didn't know this. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to Peter. Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. Three examples, and there are many, many more that we don't have the time to look at, but three examples of how wisdom and knowledge really work together. And so for me personally, right, our whole church doesn't have to be there here, but me personally, I tend to go with the third view of what wisdom and knowledge really are, the more charismatic view that wisdom is the how and knowledge is the what. So um, let's just go through these, these two gifts and why they're so important to the church. When we, when we think about the gift of knowledge, think about insider trading. Insider trading is illegal. Uh, you should read the book uh, Recursion uh, by Blake, Blake Crouch, I think his name, or, or Blake Couch, I don't remember. Anyway, he started with dark matter and then recursion. But recursion is this, this guy, I don't want to ruin the whole story for you, but a guy whose daughter dies and he figures out a way to go back in time and live a whole different narrative. Now it gets really messy after that. But like if you're able to do that type of stuff and know what's going to happen and rework things in such a way, like it's absolutely incredible. Now, we don't have portals. This isn't the gift of portals or different dimensions or running into different time warps or any of that, none of that. But how does this gift of knowledge, like supernaturally knowing something that you shouldn't know, right? When this, when this gift is worked out, it's kind of like, did you tap my house? Like, are you watching my life? Because you know things about me that you just shouldn't 
No, and this happens within the church. Why? Why would God give this weird gift to the church? Well, number one, Trenton shared last week, but this gift reveals hidden suffering. And some of you are going through really difficult times and you are not uh, open and honest about that. And so God gives someone like a dream or a vision or uh, helps them see what you're going through and they approach you and they're like, hey, are you, are you working through this issue? I had this dream about you. Are you struggling with this? God brings people to minister to you when you won't let anyone minister to you, right? God loves you that much that he would give someone that knowledge so that they could pray for you, reach out and act. A second reason why, why this gift is so helpful is that God uses it to reveal sin. You're like, that's not that helpful, but it is. If we want to treasure Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then this is really beautiful because some of you are living lives of sin that you don't even see. You're blind to it. Like those are in your blind spots. And someone loves you enough that they hear from God about this thing and then they come and they humbly present to you, this thing is off in your life. And they're like, how did you know about that? I don't know. God showed it to me. Some of you, though, are unrepentant. And you're intentionally hiding sin. And God is like, I'm going to bring that thing to light. And God flips over the stone of your life for someone else to get to see. And you're like, I don't like that. It's like, yeah, but God wants what's best for you. God doesn't want for you to hold on to these false gods and to comfort yourself with, yeah, yeah, but I show up at the live stream once in a while. I'm good. God and I, are, we're fine. I even went to the Zoom thing once, right? It's like God loves you so much that he will not leave you the way you are. Your version of you is not the finished version of you. He's going to make you look like Jesus. And if you're unrepentant and unwilling to change certain things, then God might use the gift of knowledge through someone else to help you see and to let you know that other people know about that and that they want to walk with you in that. This gift could be helpful because it reveals needing change. Um, I remember, I think it was six years ago, five or six years ago, um, I was preaching and I thought that preaching was going well and gospel-centered and Jesus is a hero and people were meeting Jesus. The church was growing. I'm like, man, this is working out. And I had this new couple from England that came and they sat in our living room. They're like, oh, we've really loved the services, all that. And like, it got really awkward. They, they ended up becoming our great friends, but it got really awkward. And I'm like, do you guys want to say something? Like, it's really strange. He's like, yeah, but I'm not sure how to say it. I'm like, just say it. He's like, I don't think you're obeying the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, in what way? In what way? And he walked through with me how he didn't think that I was obeying the Holy Spirit in preaching. And, and in sitting with that for a little while and having conversations, he was right. That God was calling me to preach in a different type of way than, than the way I was preaching. Was the way I was preaching wrong? No. But he saw that the Holy Spirit wanted for me to be preaching a different way. So that was so helpful for me and I think for the church. Uh, also, this gift reveals that something is coming. Something is coming. Prepare for it. Maybe it's a famine, right? Prophets saw that in the New Testament. There's a famine coming. But maybe it's blessing. And we actually heard some of that a few weeks ago when Trenton shared this, this dream, which is prophetic knowledge, like all this just kind of mixed together. But receiving this gift allows for us to prepare or change accordingly. Now, here's why some of you are like me and don't really like this gift is because this gift can be abused, abused really, really easily. It's like end of the world stuff. I saw the end of the world is coming on this day. It's like, oh, give me a break. 
You know, like, not going to happen. If it does, well, fine, you're right, and then we're with Jesus. Great. That's okay. Or the election. I saw that this person's going to win the election or not win the election. It's like, oh, my goodness. Come on. Or the generic. Hey, like, keep your chin up. Better days are coming. It's like, yeah, yeah, I read the New Testament. I, I know. I know Jesus wins. I know better days are coming. I get it. Be a little bit more specific with me if you're going to bring a word of knowledge, right? That's not really a gift at all, is it? When someone comes and is trying to manipulate this gift. It's not a gift at all. But here's the thing. We can't throw out the gift because there's a counterfeit. We can't throw out the gift because there's a counterfeit. Uh, buddy of mine, pastor, um, he, uh, someone on his staff told him, hey, I really think you ought to go see such and such a person today. And he's like, I never make those types of visits, ever. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stop by at some point this week on my way home. And the guy said, no, you need to go there today, like right now. And he's like, okay, like you're being pushy about this, but like, fine. So he goes to the house, knocks on the door, no one answers. But he just feels this, this heaviness and I need to stay here. And he said he knocked on the door for 20 minutes. Finally, a woman comes, opens the door in her pajamas. She invites him in. They have tea together. And uh, they were together for a couple of hours. And he said it felt very normal. And then she said, it's really miraculous that you came here today. He says, oh, why, why is that? And she said, because today I was asking God to send me someone. And if he didn't, I was going to kill myself. God gave that knowledge to someone else to give to my friend to then go and stand and persevere and knock on someone's door for a half hour waiting for them to come and answer it. God loves to gift his church for the building up of the church. Now, wisdom. Now, this is a gift that's rarely seen in the whole church. We're not like, whoa, hold on a second. Buddy's gonna, you know, practice the gift of wisdom here, clear a space. We don't, we don't see that. But yet when wisdom is at work in the church, the church loves it. This, this is like the timing, the planning, the people. If you know the story of Joseph when he was in Egypt, like he would have had this, this type of gifting. He would have had wisdom placed on him by God to be able to administrate in such a significant way. The gifting of wisdom is, is so helpful. In light of what's coming, here's how we should structure things. We've been leaning into this word that has been given to us and we're testing it as a church of what we should be long-term. We're, we're restructuring certain things. We're, we're practicing wisdom, we hope, in light of, of the gift of knowledge that's been given to us. This gift of wisdom can say, I, I don't think this is a time for this. Or it can say, we should restructure for better discipleship. This gift of wisdom is irreplaceable when it comes and God gives it. Now, knowledge and wisdom aren't necessarily gifts that we all walk around with all the time. Like, oh, there goes, you know, John, John the knowledge guy. It's like, not that. It doesn't have to do with degrees or anything. Um, but at, at certain points, God could give a dream. He could give a vision. He could give a prayer. It could just come to you. And this gift of knowledge and wisdom um, could be yours to, to give to the church. Could happen more often than others, but when it arrives, it's absolutely necessary. And I would say, if you sense that God is giving you anything for the church, that, that you submit it. Don't be like, oh, I don't know, it's too weird, I'll just hold on to it. That might be something significant that we need as a church to keep moving. And that gift is not about the gift in and of itself. It's to glorify Jesus and to build up his body. Don't hold back gifts that you think 
are insignificant. Um, now, the third gift is discerning of spirit. Uh, Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. Now, we're going to deal with this in depth next week, uh, talking about um, the spirit of, of God and the Antichrist and the enemy and all of that. And we're in a real war, and so we're going to unpack that fully next week. But discerning of spirits. Um, I'm sure you have an inbox, right? I'm sure you have this thing called email, electronic mail. It happens to most of us, okay? And it's, um, they're smart now, aren't they? They can detect and actually hide things that they think are, are spam or fraud, and they don't even let you look at it. Sometimes good things go to that as well, and you have to search through it, and you're like, I'm so glad I didn't see all these other things, right? But smart inboxes and websites, um, they, they see most of the fraud and most of the spam. But here's the thing. When, when something that's fraudulent is so good, it's hard to recognize. It's hard to recognize that's actually spam or fraud. In fact, the best spam, the best spam um, and the best scams, they, they look closest like the real thing. And they're actually desirable. Like, you might win this trip. It's like, I'd love to go on a trip one day and we can do that thing again. It's like, hey, just fill out this thing. It's like, oh, I'll fill out the thing. And, but the thing is, is it's like, you know, dipping into like all your savings and like pulling out all these things and taking your social identity number and all these things, right? But this gift is so helpful because this gift sniffs out the presence of the enemy in a very supernatural way. Now, 1 John 4, verse 1, another book in the New Testament, says that we're all supposed to be testing the spirits. This is normal life. We're supposed to be saying, ah, this is from God and this is not. That's pretty simple on a day-to-day basis. But this gift is the ability to see what is unseeable. It's more than a hunch. It's more than a hunch. I've experienced this three different times where I knew without a doubt that the presence of the enemy is here and that he is trying to take over. It was just very, very clear. I know lots of people who have experienced the same thing. And I know some people who this is the main gift that they're experiencing. That they're able to, to see what is of the Spirit of God and what is not, where it seems just unseeable. Because here's the thing. I, I'm going to be brief on this. Jordan will be lengthy next week. You have a real enemy that knows you. It's like your news feed on your social media. Have you ever like, thought about maybe buying a gift for yourself or for someone else? And then like, you, you scroll and all of a sudden it's everywhere. It's like, how did this thing know? It's like, it knew. Like, it knew. When you put your phone up, there's like little waves that touch. No, it's not true, right? But it's like, it hears you. It hears your desires, and it, it manufactures something for you and presents it to you. And it won't let you forget that you at one point wanted this thing maybe for someone. But here are some of the things that you're going to hear. Here are the, some of the things that are going to be in your proverbial news feed. You deserve this. You deserve this. It's not that bad. That thing's not that bad. You're not as bad as that person is. So, like, you're free. That's not really sex. That's not really stealing. It's not really... Anytime you hear that really in there, be very wary of the voice that it's coming from. It's not really cheating when you, when you don't claim that part. It's not harming anyone else. It's your body. It's your body. Oh, that's true for them, but that's not true for you. You and God have a special relationship. 
He reveals things to you differently. You don't have to submit to that area. If God loved you, he'd want for you to be happy. These are things that we hear all the time. When these are presented to us, they just sound so delicious. They sound so wonderful, and they sound so loving and caring. We say, oh, that is true. God would want me to be happy. God does love me. That's true. We do have a special relationship where God does speak to me. It's true it isn't harming anyone else, right? We hear these things, and then we start to rationalize that those are true when actually the things that we're being called to by this lie is against what God is actually calling us to. You see, the enemy wants to make you think that you are the special, unique, exceptional snowflake. That's what he wants to do. He wants to shower you with praise. And then as soon as you rebel, as soon as you move away from what God wants to do, he's then going to take your face and he's going to push it into condemnation. He's going to say, you dirty Christian. You're not even a Christian. He, he plays these two parts. He's on both pendulums waiting for you. One of the main ways that the enemy works is that he wants to remove you from community. He wants to make you a rule in and of yourself. That it's you and Jesus, and that's all you need. But that's actually the spirit of the age, isn't it? The spirit of the age is hyper-individualism and non-commitment. And this isn't Christ's spirit. Christ's spirit is not one that leads you off onto a mountain with you and God. Christ's spirit is one that leads you to really messy, frustrating people that he says, yeah, you're going to have to bear with them. Uh, You're going to have to forgive them. You're going to have to love them. You're going to need to keep gathering with them. You're going to need to keep doing, why does God say all these things? Because he knows how frustrating his people are. But do you know what? He uses us as frustrating people to make us more and more like Jesus. And he uses the gifts of these people that we struggle to love to be more and more conformed to that image of Christ that we want to be for our family, for our neighbors, for our city, that we need community. Christ's spirit is communal and Christ's spirit is committed to death and new life. Right? This is what he does. We need this gift. We need this discerning of spirit gift in our church. If you have this gift, we want to know about it. We, we need you. Because there are good things that we might want to do as a church that might not actually be God's plans. And maybe you have the gift to help us be able to work through that. We'll, we'll, we'll be more on this next week. The last gift. The last gift is prophecy. But before I get to that, let me say this. Some of us are missing what God might say to us because you're paranoid about a scam. You might be missing a gift that God wants to give to you or gift you through someone else because you're like, I don't know that that's actually legit. I feel like that could be a scam. Because you've been, you're like me. You've seen gifts used and misused for power, for control, for manipulation, or for money. It's like, yeah, 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 I get it. The word of the Lord says that you should give us all your money. That's, that's one of the dangers and one of the reasons why we don't like talking about money all that much. It's because it's like, ah, I never want to get to the place where people feel like we're, we're manipulating them or wanting their money. But God does desire generosity, so we need to talk about it because God wants to work his generosity into us. But I would say this, just because someone misuses a gift doesn't mean that a gift isn't good. Just because someone has misused a gift in the past doesn't mean that it isn't good. 
We use cameras. Do you know what they, they shoot with cameras? Pornography. We don't say, no, we're never, we're never using a camera because cameras are used for bad things. No, we also use cameras for very good things. So we don't throw out the, the gifts because we've seen it misused and abused. We, we hold what's true and we reject what's false and evil. That's what Paul tells the church um, or in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Um, he says, abstain from what's evil, but hold fast to what's good. And he's specifically speaking about the revelatory gifts in that place. Now, I want to confess this to you before we keep going on. I've been very hesitant with prophecy. I would say I'm probably one of the least encouraging people to share prophetic words with. Because my posture is like, we'll see. Um, and, and I don't know why I'm like that. Other than I, I would rather err on the side of like, let's test that. Let's see if that's true, rather than being like, yes, this is going to be amazing. We first heard of, of the vision we shared with you a few weeks ago. We heard of that in like September. And I think everyone on the team was like ready to share it much before we did. But it was me. Like I held our team back because I'm like, let's just wait and see. Let's keep testing this. Let's be asking people strategically. Let's ask them questions. I've asked you, some of you, questions to test that, that you don't know that I was testing it. I'm like, oh, how do you like the, the local gatherings? How do you like the second part where we're discussing things? And I'm listening very intently to hear, is what God leading us to actually what we should be doing? So I'm very hesitant with this. But it's been a gift that's been used so powerfully in my life through other people that it's caused me to want to be, be open. I would just say, I texted Trenton this week and I, and I wrote to Trenton, I won't read you the text, but I just wrote, hey, I want to thank you for being a prophetic voice in my life. You're helping me trust the voice of God so much more when it comes through people bringing prophetic words. So thank you for that. That I'm, I'm learning to trust more and more uh, people and, and God's, God's words through his people. So let's, uh, that's just my, my issues, right? I have issues. Um, chapter 12, verse 10 says, to another prophecy, one of the gifts that's given. Prophecy is a, a human report. Sam Storms defines it this way, a human report of divine revelation. Now, revelation, some of you are like, oh, I don't like that because the Bible's revealed and like, God, is God really reveal things again? Like, it's not the same levels, right? God's not asking you to rewrite like Jude 3 or Jude 2 or something. Like, he's not asking you to do that. Um, he's not going to ask you to contribute toward another gospel. That's not going to happen. But he can reveal certain things, right? He can unfold his plans in such a way that we get to see them ahead. Uh, Wayne Grudem says that prophetic gifting is telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So it's not like this morning you were sitting there and you're like, oh, what am I going to bring? What am I going to bring? What am I going to bring? God just says, now is the time I want to give you something to, to bring. So my new mindset when I receive a word, is I'm not sure, but I'm open to it. I'm not sure that's what God has, but I'm really open to it. It's kind of like what we try and do with our kids with new food. It's like, it's a new food, like, and maybe it'll be good. Like, maybe it'll, maybe it'll help you, like, not good. I'm like, but it's healthy, for sure, we know that, right? Just eat it, shut up and eat it. Um, but it, there's a posture of cautiously optimistic, and I think that's a good tension, Cautiously optimistic. I don't want to say we all should be this way because I am, but I do see that in Scripture. 
Because some people, whenever they hear, hear the word prophetic, they get so excited, like, God is speaking. And I'm like, maybe, like, maybe that was from God, but maybe that wasn't. I once went to a concert here in, in Montreal. I won't give any details around it because I just don't want to be judged by you any more than I already am. And uh, just joking. And, uh, but people are on stage and they're yelling out prophetic words. And I'm just like, what are we, like, we're not in a local church. I, I get it, not all prophetic words have to be in a local church. But it sounded like someone was reading a horoscope. You're going to have a great metro ride home tonight. I claim it. I'm like, I usually have good metro rides home. You know, like, that usually goes well. I don't, I don't know how that was profound, right? And, but it's because it's prophetic, and there's this traveling, traveling prophetic ministry, we get so excited about it. And we just take everything as like, this is, this is from the Lord. It must be from the Lord because it had that title above it. But that's not how God actually tells us to receive prophetic words. That we're supposed to be cautiously optimistic that maybe this is from the Lord, but maybe it's not. Or maybe it is from the Lord, but we're not supposed to apply it that way. Cautiously optimistic. The reality is everything must be tested. Everything must be tested. So let me, let me buzz through this quickly because I could just go on forever about this, this gifting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Paul's not talking to a select few. He's saying, I want all of you to prophesy. Not that all of you are going to be prophets and walk with this gifting on a regular basis, but I want for you all to prophesy. This is the occasional reality where, where we're prophesying and, and bringing a spontaneous word to someone else that could just be a verse. I was reading this verse this morning and I thought of you. Evan's sitting in front of me behind the camera. I'm so thankful for him. But Evan, I was reading this verse this morning and I thought of you and I want to bring this to you. And you, know, you, you worked that out with God, but you came to mind as I heard that verse. That could be the gift of prophecy. Or we're in conversation with one another and all of a sudden something comes to mind. I'm like, oh, Evan, I, I just have this thought I want to I leave with you. Why don't you think about this, right? That could be the gift of prophecy. It's not this like thing where your eyes float in the back of your head and you like, you start going into a trance and do all these weird things. Prophetic ministry is often just very normal. The greatest uh, prophet that I've ever heard of was a guy who memorized thousands and thousands of verses in the Bible. And when people come to him, he quotes them scripture. The scripture that comes to mind as they're there. That he's giving God's word to them. Different ways that this gift moves. Images, visions, dreams, and honestly, the word of God most often. So how does this gift work? How does this gift actually work? Prophetic uh, ministry or gifting really has three elements to it. Sam Storm says this in his, in his book, Understanding Spiritual Gifts. Really good book, big book. Uh, I would suggest you buy it and keep it as a reference for yourself. But there are three, three movements to how prophetic uh, gifting works. The first is the one that's not messed up. The first has to do with God, and this is revelation. This is a divine disclosure to a human recipient, that God gives us the substance of the message, gives us the image, gives us the word, gives us the dream, gives us whatever. He does not mess that part up. That's, that's given. But the second and third, that's where we come into play. The second part of it is, is interpretation. You wake up, what does that dream mean? 
Like what, what, did, that, what did that passage mean? Why did that get brought to, to mind and, and to heart? That we, we get to work through that. And then the third piece is the application. What am I supposed to do with this? And sometimes we go right from number one, revelation, to giving it to someone. Instead of taking time to process, why did God give this to me? What does it mean? And what am I supposed to do with this? And maybe that means you sit on it for a really long time and you journal out about it. Maybe you talk to other people about this thing. But don't rush the interpretation and application. Don't rush that part. Submit that to other people that you know are gifted and and say, help me work this out. Help me work through this process. There are people who are very, very gifted in our church with receiving and ministering in the prophetic. Like, get with them. Because it's the interpretation and the application that can be misapplied or misused. This is where abuse can happen. But don't, don't be fearful of that because if it's done well, it can bring so much clarity. It can bring life. It can bring excitement. It can bring um, new vision for people. Right? It's really, really important. But if you receive something, take time to process with others. Just because God reveals something to you, doesn't, it doesn't have a time, um, an expiration date on it. Unless it does, then you need to make sure that you follow through with it. So how do we judge prophetic? I know we're getting like a little scientific with this, but this is really important. How do we judge the prophetic? Number one, does it line up with scripture? Someone comes to me and says, hey, I just heard from God that I'm supposed to go sleep with this person. I'm like, is it your wife? Nope. Husband? Nope. Not from God. Doesn't line up with scripture. Yeah, but I heard it really loud. I'm like, what were you listening to? Like, take off your headphones. I don't know. Like, does it line up with scripture? That can be a really easy thing that people hear things and, and it's like, yeah, but God wants me to be happy. Okay, great, he does. He wants you to be happy in him. So let's figure out how this lines up with scripture. Second thing, is it good and does it build up the church? Some people are like, man, I have a prophetic word. I'm like, oh yeah, what is it? That we better get in line as a church or God is gonna cut us down. I'm like, don't know. Let's sit on that, you know. Let's put that one through a master's program and wait three years and we'll see, right? Maybe it's for the church, Probably not. Probably not. Is it good and is it building up the church? The church doesn't need to be lied to. At times we need correction, which I'll get to in just a second. But is it good and does it build up the church? Third, is it a motive of love? Oftentimes people who want to share things with other people um, aren't motivated by love. So are you motivated by love? 1 Corinthians 13, remember, is in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. The gifts. Love is really important. It's not just a few nice passages for your wedding. And the fourth thing in how we judge prophetic. So scripture, is it good and build up the church? Is it motivated by love? The fourth thing is, how do other people receive it? When you share it, right? I get a word, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it with a few people. Do they receive it as like, man, you need to share that. We need to get that out there. We need to encourage that person. We need to, or are they like, hmm, I don't know. Like if you're the only one that thinks that that word is a good idea, maybe it's not a good idea. Or maybe it's an idea to be set aside for a time and, and prayed through. Now, the prophetic and, and, and pastoral ministries need to work together. We're not going to, the, the prophets aren't in charge of the church, right? God has asked for the elders, the pastors to lead and care and oversee the church. But the prophets within our church, if someone receives a prophetic word, we bring it to the elders, actually, and, and we, we work through it and, and we pray through it and 
Is this something that's for our whole church? But we need to be good at judging the prophetic. Now, what's this used for? And then we'll, we'll end. What's this gift used for? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, we find out that it's, it's used to build up the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, we find out that it's to console, edify, and exhort the church. Let me read that for you. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. We want people who are prophesying to be speaking to people, building them up, encouraging them. Right? This is amazing. I went away um, to Toronto a few years ago. I shared like the vision that I saw a few weeks ago when I was there. But I was there and I was standing and uh, my time was up. I was about ready to come home and there was music that was playing. We were doing this little like worship session and I was standing and I had my eyes closed and this, this gentleman comes over who had spent the past couple days with, comes over and he says, hey, could I, could I pray for you? And I said, yeah, sure. So he puts his hand on me, and uh, I was not into any of this stuff, by the way, at that point. This stuff all just weirded me out. And he says, I'm going to put my hand on you. I'm like, great. So uh, I thought he was going to start praying, but it was like awkward silence for a while. I'm like, I don't know what this guy's doing. I don't know him that well. And, um, and then he starts uh, speaking something about my dad. Not my earthly dad, though. My heavenly dad. And he said, I see this picture. And he said, your dad is so pleased with you in Christ. And I see your dad, your heavenly father, sitting in a chair. And he comes to you. And you're trying to work really hard for his approval and pleasure. And you want to do all the things right so he won't be angry with you. And I see him leaning down, picking you up like you're a little boy, putting you on his lap and locking eyes with you and saying, I love you and nothing you do is ever going to change that. I just start weeping, right? This strange guy laying hands on me, doesn't know me that well, speaks this word, and I start weeping, and I'm like, I want you, Dad, right? I start talking to myself and to him in this room of people that I don't know, right? So I thought that they were the strange ones, and when I went there, they're like, who's this strange guy that got invited? And I'm there, and, and a good 10 minutes had gone by, and I'm just thinking about my dad, my heavenly father, who loves me so much, but this guy is still there with his hand on me. I'm like, this is getting really creepy. So I look down to see like his feet. You know, it's one of those like, no, no, I'm not cheating. But I look down to see his feet that are still there. And he's on the other side of the room, like hands up, right? And I'm like, dad, I don't know whose hand was just on me. But, but like your, your hand seemed to have been there. And I experienced through this guy's prophetic words like immense ministry that I still carry with me to this day. I can feel those feelings that I felt that day of my father's affection for me and how I am so deeply loved. Prophetic is so important that the prophetic can be used for conviction, that he uses this to convict, to, to tell us where we're off base. It can be used to, to teach, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31. It can change our ministry direction, Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. We saw that as, as Paul and Barnabas were set aside for ministry. We see that with, with Church 21, that there's been a prophetic word that's been given, and we're examining it, and that's really changing some of the vision and the way that we are moving. Revelatory gifts, so strange in a sense, but so beautiful. And let me wrap up by saying this. We want to experience God in all of his gifts. My goodness, I want to experience you, Dad, with all the gifts that you want to give to us. 
right? And I want that to be our prayer, that we would want to experience all of the gifts that God has to give to us, no matter how weird they are, no matter how uncomfortable we are with them, no matter if it's someone coming to lay hands on us that we don't really know. Like, I want it all. And my prayer for Church 21 is every day, Lord, give us more gifts. Give us more gifts so that we would know more of you and the city would know more of you and that we wouldn't hoard these these gifts up in a storage facility, but we distribute them out through Zoom, through walking dogs together, through being generous, through dropping off um, banana bread. Someone dropped off banana bread and coffee to us yesterday. I arrived, I'm like, what is this? It's like gluten-free, dairy-free banana bread. It was like a little piece of heaven that was just like dropped on our doorstep. Amazing that, that the rats didn't eat, which is amazing, right? Or maybe they did, I don't know, but it tasted really good. Um, We want the gifts to happen not just in gatherings, but in gatherings, and not just in normal life, but in normal life. We want the gifts to be moving. Why? Because God wants the gifts to be moving in all these places. We should desire this. And as a church, if you're like, I want no part in this, you need to know as a church, this is where we're going. That we want God and all of his gifts that he has for us. We want that. Now, as a church, we've had periods of time where these gifts have been used powerfully. We had a guy in our church named James uh, who he didn't even speak French and he would get words for the French side. He's like, I got to go to the French side. I'm like, why? He's like, I got a word for them. I'm like, go there, right? He's like, I need an interpreter. I'm like, go with James. You know, we're like sending him to the other theater to go bring words that God has. We've had prophetic songs that are, that are being sung. We've had lots of people get healed, right? We, we want this stuff. We want this stuff. And there's been a recent surge of gifts. I think that God loves to answer his children when they ask. You've been praying and asking for more gifts in revival, and I see God answering that. I see unity in our city. I, w- I was in this room with, with pastors. We are having a prayer meeting uh, this week, and, um, and someone wrote me an email after because there were many churches that said, we need to work together. And I got a little email from one of the pastors after, and he said, I sense revival is coming to Montreal. He has no idea. We didn't even talk about our stuff at all. I'm so encouraged by the prophetic gifts, the words of knowledge. I, one of our guys uh, called me, I, I don't know, a couple months ago, and he said, hey, I had this dream about someone. I'm like, Did you have, that, have you ever had dreams before? He's like, never had dreams before. I'm like, gifts of knowledge, like, here we go. Like, this is, this is what God likes to do. And if you are receiving words, we want to hear and we want to help you use them because God wants to use these gifts to showcase and display Jesus in our city. He wants to cause for people who thought that God was awful and to open their eyes to be in awe of him. The gift didn't die and rise for us either. It's not about the gift. It was the giver who died and rose for us. And he wants to use us and unleash his gifts for gospel advancement and gospel growth. Oh, we're in this interesting period. We're praying about a word. Lord, is this word true? And, and we want to hear more, more words from the church. So let's respond. Let's respond. Um, it's interesting preaching, trying to think, how do you want us to respond? Lord, what do you want us to do with all this content? First thing, are you open to receive whatever gift that God wants to give to you. Are you open to that? 
I received uh, the gift of tongues. I was very scared by the gift of tongues. Still, I'm a little scared of the gift of tongues. I received it. I was sitting at a table at a conference, and it's too long of a story, but basically I said, uh, God, I want whatever gifts that you want to give to me. Like, I, I, want, I want your gifts. And this was like a big step for me in my relationship. And I, and I saw this picture of God walking over to me with a present, and he handed it to me. And I, and I opened it up, and it was the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, whoa, what is this, right? I know, you're, you're like, oh, Dwight's, Dwight's out there. Yes, yes, I was, I was in there. And, and the Holy Spirit is there, and I'm like, what does this mean? And I was, I was in this conference, quiet. I'm at a table, and I just start, like, whispering in tongues. And I'm like, what am I doing? And, and I, I remember talking. Like, I'm, I'm talking in, in this completely different language, being, like, coherent, knowing that there are people beside me. I'm like, what are they thinking? <laughs> you know, like, and I couldn't stop doing it. And I felt so close to my father. And it's like I was speaking in a language where I was really like getting at his heart and it felt like, it almost felt like I was speaking to him in a heart language for the first time, though I'd spoken to God many, many times. Are you open to receive whatever gift that God wants to give to you? Not saying it has to be that gift, but are you open? I've always thought these things are are weird before, but I'm open to it. Maybe you're watching this and you're like, "I've, I've never... I've never received Jesus before. Are you open to receive Jesus? Will you receive his death on your behalf and his resurrection? And would you say, I want you to lead me. I want you to be, to be the leader and king of my life. We're gonna respond um, through giving. There's an opportunity for us to give. Brian spoke about that earlier. We're gonna respond through, through singing. And during that, that song, would you, don't, don't leave, don't check out. But during that song, will, will you say, God, would you please impart to me more of your spirit? Would you please give me or, or highlight whatever gifts that you want for me to have or to be praying about? Maybe God's not going to give you the gift that he wants you to have or you want to have this morning, but maybe he wants you to start praying for that gift, to begin desiring. Do you desire to have these gifts? And then afterwards, we're going to get on a Zoom call and we're going to get to respond together. We're going to get to process this through together. I agree with this. I didn't agree with this. God spoke to me in this way. Come ready to share what God spoke to you this morning. Let me pray for us. Uh, God, thank you that you are a God who does speak. You do reveal. You do these things. It just seems like so much content to get through, but, but my hope is that people are, are hearing and seeing you behind the content, that the content is all about you. This is how you roll. This is how you work. This is how you change lives. This is how you give gifts. And I pray for those who are like me, who are so uncomfortable with some of these gifts, but who are, it's like driving by a train wreck. It's like, I, I can't help but look. And would, would, would we be in that same place that we can't help but look and we can't help but want these things. That If these are true, that we would want them. That you would give prophetic gifts, that you would give gifts of knowledge and wisdom and discerning spirits to us as a church. Would you bring revival to our city? Would you rescue hundreds of thousands of people? Would you bring churches together, united, not around our little banners, but around the banner of King Jesus, the one that we're gonna be around forever? And Holy Spirit, would you grab our hearts now and would you face them toward our King and show us how beautiful he is and how trustworthy he is 
and help us to embrace him and, and being ready to follow him wherever he will take us. We love you, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.